Shall we pray? Father in heaven, we thank you for your love. A love that was so great that you gave us Jesus. And with grateful hearts this morning, fathers, it should be every day of the year, we come to you thanking you for the greatest gift ever bestowed upon the human race, the gift of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for what you have done and accomplished in our life. And there's so much more that you want to accomplish in our lives and work through us that others would know Christ as Savior and King and Master and Lord of Lords and soon to come Redeemer. Bless us this morning, Father. Guide us with your Spirit. May Christ be uplifted. May He be seen. And may He be exemplified in our life this week as we touch others. This is our prayer, and this is our hope, and we have asked it all in the precious name of our most wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, if Jesus has a concern in our world today, it's the same concern that He had on earth when He was here, that the harvest be reaped. We hear so much about harvest time this time of the year, and it's beautiful. Harvest time to me is one of the most beautiful, magical times of the year, as is spring, and as is summer, and as is winter. It's all magical because Christ is part of theme and everything. But to me, harvest time is much more magical because I can tie it to one, the Protestant Reformation. I can tie it to the harvest at the end of the world. And this time of the year just has a special significance for me. Because 39 years ago today, my wife was, and I was uh, married, but yesterday, 39 years ago, she was baptized. And so, it, it, this time of the year has a magical time for me. And you know, I love to start rereading the great controversy. I try to read it through once a year, and I try to start this time of the year around when the Protestant Reformation started. It's just a wonderful time. The harvest time, the reaping time. And Jesus was concerned about this harvest time. Jesus realized that His disciples had not yet caught up in this harvest vision. Do we have a harvest vision? Do we really believe that Jesus is coming soon? We know it in doctrine, but do we know it in our heart? Do we feel it in our heart? Do we live this doctrine each day of our life. Jesus is coming soon. You know, the disciples, they were more concerned about themselves than about reaching the unsaved. And sometimes, you know, I go through a day and thought, you know, at the end of the day, I look back in retrospect and I think, you know, it was most about me today. I was concerned about me and myself and my feelings and what I had to do instead of reaching out to someone else. And therefore, because I'm that way, and they were that way, they failed to see the Christ view that Jesus had for the people they met. And you know, each day we need to have this Christ view. We need to put on Christ glasses each and every day. We need to be seen through the eyes of Jesus each and every day. We need to look upon others as Jesus looked upon them. And it can only start with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you've heard me say this before. You might have been baptized in the church 39 years ago, 49 years ago, 50 years ago. You might have grown up in this church. But if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you don't have anything. You don't have anything if you don't have Christ. Read about Jesus. Study the Word each day. Particularly the closing scenes of Jesus' life as we was talking about in Sabbath school this morning. The sacrifice that Jesus made for us. For me. For you. 
And we've heard this before. If you'd been the only one that came and would have accepted Him out of all the billions that have lived on earth, He would have came for you. His love was that great. We might know the facts. We might know the figures. We might know every doctrine. We might keep everything to the letter of the law. But if we don't have Jesus, we've missed the boat. We've missed the whole point. We're coming to church without a cause if we don't have Jesus in our heart. To see Jesus as Jesus does, we must know Him. We've got to spend time with Him. We've got to spend time in the Word. You know, I know of some Seventh-day Adventist Christians and Christians of all faiths who tell me, I hardly ever study the Bible. I don't ever read the Bible. I know what's in there, but I don't ever hardly read the Bible. And you think, that's our handbook. That's our manual. You know, when I was in in the Marines, they issued us a book and we carried it in our right hip pocket. All the time. It was called the Marine Guidebook. And when you weren't doing anything, you had that book out studying it. You held it at arm's length and you studied it. And you studied it. And you studied it. And you studied it to where when the DIs would come out, they could ask you a question and you knew it. Now, when they first issued it to you, you didn't know nothing. But the more you studied, the more you read the more you knew. And that's the way we with us as Christians. This is our guidebook. And we need to be studying it each and every day to make sure that we have an answer for the hope that's within us. If anybody asks us the reason for the hope we have, Jesus is coming soon. You know, I read from Amazing Facts. I got a letter from them last week and it was telling how the Vatican had issued a stamp that had Martin Luther on it. It's getting closer and closer and closer and closer and closer and closer to where it's going to mesh. Wow. We need to be studying the Word. And along with studying the Word, we need to be praying. We need to be known as people of prayer. Prayer. Do we really spend time in prayer. How long did you spend in time prayer this morning? Listen to this. Testimonies to ministers and gospel workers. If we are engaged in earnest work, I mean work that's really true. Work that is sincere for souls. Working according to our several abilities, God gives us each different talents. I can't play a radio. Some people can play other instruments. I played the drums in high school. And what good's drums in a church? I don't particularly care for them in a church. Working according to our several abilities that God manifests Himself to us and gives us grace for grace. Listen, a working church, a working church, a working church in travail for souls, a church that is really really concerned about souls, will be a praying church, a believing church, a receiving church. So if we're really interested in souls, what we'll be doing? We'll be praying. We'll be working. We'll be receiving them. 
A church whose members are found upon their knees before God. On their knees before God. Supplicating His mercies. And it's all because of His mercy. It's all because of what He's done. It's nothing that I've done. It's nothing you've done. It's nothing people's done. It's all what He's done. Seeking Him daily. Not just on the Sabbath, but each day of the week. Searching for Him. Seeking Him daily is a church that is feeding upon the bread of life and is drinking the waters of life. Tim talked to us about water this morning. How important water is in our life. And how it cleanses us from within and without. And the water of life. Who is the water of life? Jesus. He cleanses us. The promise, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, He will give it to you, will be verified in them. Oh, we have so much power. We have so much. And so little time. And then, after we spend time with Him in prayer and Bible study, then it's time to take these baskets out and share them with other people. And people in the week, talk to them about Christ. Invite them to church. Talk to them about what He's done in your life. Be a witness. Be a light that week. Be the bread of life to someone. Be the water of life to someone. Quench their thirst by pointing them to Jesus. Nourish them by pointing them to Jesus. Telling them about His great love and what He has done for us. That's the way to be thankful. We're in this Thanksgiving season and for some... You just, you know, it's just one day a year. Years ago, a little girl in this church by the name of Julia McLean said, we need to be helping people every day. Why do we do it just one day of the year? And that's always stuck with me. It's every day we meet people in need. Dire straits. Dire straits. Each and every day. Jesus saw people as they were And you know what? He loved them anyway. He loved them anyway. He had a love for them. He had a compassion for them. And if we put Jesus glasses on each and every day, we will see people as Jesus sees them. We'll love them. I don't care what problems they have. We will love them and we'll pray for them and we'll point them to Jesus. We might not always approve of their actions, but we'll love them regardless. We'll pray for them. His love that was a love that was so reaching that it demonstrated His whole redemptive mission to earth. He would travel miles just to reach one person or drive a half a block to invite somebody to church. He was moved by the needs of hurting people. Jesus reached out to them in love. You know, we need to look at Jesus and learn how He desires our love to reach out to others. Listen to this from Ministry of Healing, a beautiful book. Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. His method. His method alone. We need to go to the Master and learn from Him how He reached people and how He touched people and why people thronged about Him. The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. He wanted to reach out and say, I'm here for the betterment of you. I'm not here to condemn you. 
I'm here to bring you life and have it more abundantly, as we mentioned in Sabbath school this morning. I think Bobby Jean mentioned that. He showed his sympathy for them. <coughs> he sympathized with them. Ministered to their needs. Sure, we are preaching and evangelizing. That's very important. But at the same time, we're ministering to the needs of the people. You know, we always learned in school, if a little child comes into your class, I don't care how good a teacher you have and how good a lesson plan you have, if that little child's tummy's empty, you know, he's not going to be fully attentive. Make sure that child is eaten. Make sure he's full. Feed the child. He showed sympathy, ministered to their needs, and won their confidence. Then he bade them, follow me. There is need of coming close to the people by personal effort. If less time were given to sermonizing, like I'm doing right now, if less time was given to that, no, sermons are fine. We need to be inspired. But if less time was given to sermonizing and more time spent in personal ministry, greater results would be seen. The poor are to be relieved. The sick cared for. (coughs) The soaring and bereaved comforted. The ignorant instructed. The inexperienced counseled. We are to weep with those that weep. Rejoice with those that rejoice. Accompanied by the power of persuasion, the power of prayer, the power of the fruit of the love of God, this work will not, cannot, and be without fruit. You know, sometimes I look and say, gosh, Steve, you fall so short. You know, when Jesus saw Peter's mother-in-law ill, He went to her, touched her hand, and healed her. When the leper fell at Jesus' feet, He reached out and touched him. When the two blind men came asking for mercy, Jesus touched their eyes and they could see. He touched the ears and tongue of the deaf and dumb man and He began to hear and speak. He went up and touched the coffin of the widow's dead son and restored him to life. Jesus touched the ear of the high priest's servant after Peter had cut it off. And from other instances, we know that all Jesus needed to do was speak. And healing in life was granted. But Jesus demonstrated His love by reaching out and touching. He had a personal conflict, contact with those people. He took the little children in His arms. He was demonstrating the love of God. The love which the Holy Spirit wants to channel through our lives to others. Isn't it wonderful to hold a little child, a newborn baby, and just hold them in the arms and they can feel that. They can feel that love. Hold them. Hold them. Even an animal can feel love. Never did Jesus use His God-given powers for His own personal gain, nor should we. Everything we should do and expend should be for precious souls. When the Samaritans refused Jesus the hospitality of their village, James and John were very insulted. Then they wanted to call fire down from heaven. But you know what? Jesus viewed the Samaritans as beloved of His Father and He was going to die for them also. Jesus saw them as harvest that He had come to reap. We should too. You know, it's harvest time. It's harvest time. 
Christians should be people conscience. We need to be harvest conscience Christians, just as Jesus was. When a young man approached Jesus, Jesus loved him and considered the vast potential of his life if he would only follow Jesus, the rich young ruler, but he didn't. Observing a fisherman, Jesus saw the good in everyone. And what do we see in people? Look at that guy. You know, he's been in and out of jail. No, no. I'm going to concentrate on this. Jesus saw potential and good in everybody. He saw what that man could be if his power was in him. Observing a fisherman, Jesus said, you know, that man will be catching humans. He'll be a fisher of men. And he called him. A sinful woman was viewed through Christ's eyes as a pure child of God. She could become when her sins were forgiven. Mary. Jesus' disciples saw harvest in the future. They didn't see people right around them then as the harvest. You know, we look for the latter rain, but the latter rain will fall on what? People. We should be looking at people right now for their needs, their cares, their hurts, their sadness, and the potential that they could come, could become through Christ in their life. Jesus said the harvest is now. Go take your Bible and go and read Matthew, uh, John 4. 35. John 4, 35. John 4, 35. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. That's just, well, Lord, it's not right now, it's just a few ways off. But I say unto you, lift up your eyes, open your eyes, look on the fields, for they are white already. To harvest. He was talking about people. Well, when the latter rain falls, then we'll... There's people all around us. We will rub shoulders and meet people this week that if we don't say nothing about Christ to them, they'll go to a Christless eternity. We need to be looking upon people. Jesus was pleading. See the people as harvest. Become harvest conscious. Look around. It's ready. Focus our interest on the spiritual harvest potential of earth's people. The great, the small. The somebody, the nobodies of the world. They're all special in Jesus' eyes. Jesus said three things to us about the harvest. One, catch the vision of people as harvest. People as harvest. As we go through each day, Go with our eyes open. See people, see their needs, see them as a potential person for Christ's kingdom. The Samaritan people whom Jesus pointed out, the disciples, were unknown to them. The disciples didn't know their names or much about them, but Jesus said they were part of the harvest, even though James and John was wanting to bring fire down from heaven on them. Too many times we're too quick to judge people. As you see people who need Jesus, and they're all around us, see them as they can be in Christ. Well, he's just an alcoholic. He's on drugs. He's been married seven times. She's a prostitute. The Lord can, the Lord can use them to glorify his name. Remember, the first shall be last and the what? Last shall be first. Don't pass by anybody. 
There was an old Marine told me, he said, the men that I fought with in World War II, he said, I don't care if they were somebody or nobody right now. He said, they still have my respect. And Jesus said to honor and respect all people. They're part of the harvest. As we see people who need Jesus, see them as they can be in Christ. See that they can, what they can mean to the cause of Christ. They might be one of the greatest proclaimers of the three angels' message. You know what? What would you think of a man that had had people killed? And this man had been in and out of jail most of his life. And he'd had Christian people brutalized, torn from their families. Well, I wouldn't give that man Aaron a job. The Apostle Paul is that man. Look what God could do through him. So you don't think he can still do miracles? He can work through somebody that even we don't have confidence in. C.D. Brooks, I heard him say one time, he said, I baptized people that I didn't even have confidence in. But he said, the Lord used them mightily. Mightily, as mightily Christians. See them as people who Christ loved so much that He was willing to give everything to them, even His life. Love them and pray for these people. Pray for the people we meet. Pray for the people we come into contact with. Jesus also said that we should be praying for this harvest. Pray for everyone we see, meet, or have contact with. Pray for them each and every day. Pray for those who serve us in business, in everyday living, or those we travel and meet. Pray for children at play. We should be praying for the youth of our church each and every day, as we should be praying for each member of our church each and every day and their families. Don't ever give up on praying. Pray. Like Charles Brooks said, Hey, I baptized people that I didn't have confidence in, but continue to pray for them. The harvest immediately before us should always remind us of the harvest beyond. When we see a telecast of strife or trouble in the world or in foreign lands or in America, we should pray for this situation. Are we praying for our leaders? They desperately need our prayers. For the local, state, national, world, they need our prayers. We see pictures of starving children, innocent victims of war. We need to pray for them and put our prayers into action by supporting those that are helping feed these people, families. Be harvest conscious each and every day of our life. And be a world Christian. Have a world vision. Be a world intercessor. Let our love be as extensive as as God's. He loves the world. Will we love the world any less? We should be praying for the world each and every day. Let the Holy Spirit pour God's love through you as we pray for all people. Love people. And if we can't, we need to get back to Jesus on our knees. Even a two-word prayer. Bless America. Bless Africa, the continent. Bless India. Bless these countries. Could be valid and powerful if it arises from a loving heart that longs to express Christ's love and compassion to others. Pray for our missionaries. Pray. Pray that others will catch this harvest vision as Bob read earlier. Though you might not expect to have done so, Jesus did not tell His disciples to look at the harvest and immediately go out there and get busy. He first told them to pray. 
as we should be praying also. Later after Pentecost, reaping the harvest would become the full-time assignment of the apostles. But before reaping came the preparation of prayer. Prayer. Jesus knew that as his disciples prayed, their harvest vision should ignite their souls and they would be moved with compassion. You know, it seems like after Pentecost, even though they were still faulty humans, they had a different gleam in their eye. They had a different mission. They were emboldened and they were empowered. You know, it's a rare person who has a real harvest vision and prayer burden who does not become involved in additional ways as God opens doors. Real vision leads to real intercession and it deepens the love and concern for a person or a place or a cause for us to desire to help in any way possible. Giving, going, serving. You know, there's a danger that we might become so busy in working that we don't pray enough. Pray. Prayer. Jesus, even though He did all these miraculous things while He was on earth, every day He started it with what? Prayer. Got up very early in the morning and went out to pray. Very early in the morning. Prayed. Sincere prayer. Jesus' prayer request that He gave His church was to pray for souls, for the harvest. Praise God when there's 99 sheep in the fold. But as long as there's one out lost in the wilderness, it is for us to go out and safely bring that sheep in. Minister where you are, but never forget those who are unreached. Go with me to Mark one thirty-eight. We're almost through. Mark one thirty-eight. And he said, Let us go into the next town, said I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. He preached. Let's go. Let's continually go out. Let's don't sit back. Let's move forward and go out. Once we see the world through Jesus' eyes, once we have this prayer harvest, for the harvest of the world, that will be one of our main priorities of intercession. Us praying for the salvation of others. Us praying for precious souls. Father, we know that the harvest is great now. The fields are white unto harvest. And help us to see these precious people as those that you long to gather and garner into your kingdom. Bless us today, Father. Bless this church. Help us to be a vision-oriented, a mission-oriented, a prayer church, a reaching church, an outreaching church, that precious souls will know Christ and His love and have eternal life with Him. This is our prayer and this is our hope. And as always, we've asked it in the most wonderful name of them all, the name of Jesus. Amen.